My first rifle was a 243. Papa gave daddy and daddy gave to me. And they taught me how to shoot with a steady hand. I guess that's something you don't understand. Welcome to another episode of All American Wing Shooting Podcast. Today we have Buzz Hayes with us. So you've seen waterfowl photos from some cool places. They were probably his. Yeah. Well, (laughs) maybe. I mean, I've been, you know, in a bunch of different places, but, um, and published a bunch of different areas. But, uh, you know, I'd say since I started doing the waterfowl thing um, six and a half, seven years ago, it's been 90% hunting break, probably. Yeah. I, I travel around a little bit, you know, for some of the companies and partners that we work with, but uh, maybe 85% money break. Why would you leave there? Uh, you know, I, I there's been some unique stuff. Um, Drew Keith, he runs the place. He took me on a hunt last year, um, basically just to get imagery. He was just going to hunt and I was going, I wanted some different kind of different terrain that hunting break didn't have. So we just drove out and went hunting and had a great day. Oh, but well, been- break is awesome. And it's so yeah. huge. And they have everything. They do. There's really no reason to leave there. No, I mean, we've got, you know, it has tim- great timber holes and, and you know, a bunch of, of flooded fields and um, unique bushy stuff and wild stuff. And you just, you know, that's what, uh, one of the reasons I really like working down there is, it's just one giant studio. If you want to shoot a certain uh, partner's product or just do some different, you know, imagery, you pick your terrain and then kind of go start with the terrain and then go from there. Of course, the ducks need to be there too. Yeah, but the thing about honey break though is if the ducks aren't there, there's there is always something else. I didn't go during duck season. I went in the spring this year. Okay. And. We hunted hogs with night vision. Oh, yeah. I I did not expect to love that so much. And it was just a quick little trip. So I didn't get to do much of anything else but drive around. Mm -hmm. Hear Drew's story of how this whole place came to be, which is insane. It's such a cool story. Like that you can make a movie about how Honey Break happened. I would like that. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot of history. I mean, the history goes way back to you know before, um, you know, civilization, if you want to call it that, was was there. I mean, it was you know, the name comes from that. Um, but uh, I was going to say there there usually are ducks there, but you've got to find them sometimes when you've got twenty thousand acres to look at and the, all different kinds of terrain. Um, they might be. You know, there might be tons of mallards in the timber and you just got to go in there and get them. But, yeah. Um, and then the, they've you'll got see the, this ball, hopefully. Is that the WMA that joins them on the yeah. levee road coming on, in? On the west side. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dewey. Uh, is it Dewey? Yeah. Hold on. I'll have to look it up. So mm. you talk about that there's 20,000 acres there. I didn't realize. Yeah, when roughly. I think, got back I to think, the. I was going to say, I think, I think there's, it is. I don't want to throw out numbers and be wrong, 
um, but uh, I, I mean, there's a lot of, of WRP there. So, and it's, it's a big chunk of the 20, I bet. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we just added some um, last year to it. And uh, so, you know, roughly 20,000 acres is the entire, the entire facility. Well, that's what he told me. And then I didn't realize they left me there by myself. By I can say I was on such a vast place all alone. I was like, oh, I so didn't you, have a dog or nothing. You stayed in the giant lodge all by yourself. All by myself. I've, I've done that in the summer. I've been down there for a project or whatever. Drew doesn't live at the lodge. And then, you know, the other, the Jared Moffat yeah. yeah. in the other way in a different town. So um, yeah, everybody leaves and all of a sudden you're in this giant lodge running around and, like the shining, you know, by yourself. Yeah, I didn't think anything about it until there was no one there. And I'm like, oh my God, I should have at least had them leave me a pistol or something. Yeah. You know, you know the thing about it, but you just gotta you gotta know where they're where they're at. <laughs> well, I want to hear about how you got into photography. That's really your big thing. And then right. Um, just the industry itself, because you make everybody's life look so easy. You show all the best parts and the way that you spin things, even other, you know, really great photographers and videographers in the industry showcase where everything looks easy. And you know, good and well, the, that it's just a finished project. There's a whole journey to get there. So I just, I want to talk about all the things that that one photograph doesn't show and yeah. and the work that it took to get it. Yeah. So I, I started, I was a graphic designer pretty much out of school and uh, had my own company just doing design work and, and marketing and, and um, illustration. And then I started, actually, I was working for a little cruise ship line in Virginia and uh, I remember this, I, I I would buy stock imagery. You know, I took some photos here and there, but I didn't do anything professionally. Anyway, I had to, I needed a shot of a wine glass and it's for a menu for this little cruise ship. And I was, you know, I was looking at stock and stuff and stock was a little more expensive back then, but I, uh, so it was like the shot was say a hundred bucks. And I thought, well, I'll get one of those digital cameras, you know, the little Olympus digital cameras, bought the camera, got a bottle of wine, um, took the shot, drank the wine, and then I had a camera and, and it was about the same. It would have cost stock. So a light went off. I just, and I really like, you know, I've shot for my, uh, my grandmother was a, a travel writer and I shot for her before over in Europe. And, and I guess that, so I did a little professional there, but I don't think they paid me, but anyways, um, got published. So I kind of knew I liked it. And then I always took camera to the field cause I grew up hunting and fishing. So I always, for some reason, just wanted to document those experiences and it all kind of came together. And I realized I like photography better than design and illustration anyway. Uh, yeah. It's just, it's a more gratifying and it's a lot quicker too. Like, you know, when I would work on illustration, it'd take a month, you know, but I could shoot you hunting tomorrow and have image finished images tomorrow night. And I'm just impatient, I guess. So. Uh, anyway, that's how I got into it. I, I just kind of transfer or kind of morphed from a designer illustrator into a photographer. And um, I still do 
all of it, but I bet it's probably 85% photography, 80%. And I like it that way. Being on the road, not behind a desk. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lot of field time. Obviously, you got to be there. And that's one of the big things about, I think one of the key things to being a photographer in the outdoor industry and probably other industries as well, is you have to be there. I mean, you got to be there when the light's right. You've got to physically get there sometimes. I have a really cool shot, one of my favorite uh, early shots, and it was a buck. He's like a, you could still, he was silhouetted walking through a swamp in the morning. And it's really pretty. I mean, beautiful light and just, you know, so late pointers walking through. But I, some, I was teaching some kids a little mini class about illustration and photography. And one of them asked me, you know, or all of them wanted to know what kind of camera it was. And, and I think it was like a Canon Rebel, just a kit lens on it and whatever. And I kind of stopped them and said, you know, it's what made that shot wasn't the camera. It was, you know, I got up at three in the morning, drove an hour and a half, took a summit tree stand, um, walked in the swamp for half a mile, climbed a tree. And I was there when he walked by. That's what made the shot, you know. So lesson learned there for those kids anyway. Uh, I hate talking about camera gear. <laughs> you do? I think it's, yeah, I mean, it helps. I mean, obviously to have a nice, you know, fast camera, especially for waterfowl and good lens, good glasses is hugely important. But I think a good photographer can, a good photographer can get great images with almost any camera. You know, it's just about how you position yourself to the light and like I said, being there and, and, um, and then maybe editing a little bit, but I, um, yeah, I certainly don't. I've shot them all. I've shot almost every kind of camera and have three or three different kinds right now. Um, I prefer one over the others, but um, the, uh, yeah, I just don't think that's the most important part. If everybody can have a Sony or a Nikon or a Canon of the same kind of caliber and it doesn't matter which one you're shooting as long as you use it correctly. It's like, I don't yeah, want well, to turn the things on much less understand anything besides the um, auto setting. And I've been told that's not where I need to be. <laughs> well, it's where you could start. I mean, certainly you could, you know, I use, for example, I use AV, which is um, aperture priority, which in a, in a waterfowl situation, I want to, I want to set, it's a, it's not automatic, but I mean, it's not fully manual either. I don't, I don't shoot fully manual unless I'm in studio or something. Um, and, uh, I, I, especially in a hunting situation, like I love to shoot live action stuff. Like I, I like shooting baseball games and, you know, I've shot, uh, action sport, motorsports and power sports and, you know, you don't know which direction you're going to shoot. I just don't have to think about everything. So I, I shoot aperture priority for most of that. So it's kind of a little bit of an automatic setting it's step towards that. But um, also, I don't see real well without glasses. So I have to I can't do manual focus either. So I just autofocus and AV and go for it. Wow. OK, well, tell me about your favorite adventure shooting like your favorite hunt because they're always an adventure yeah they are um i don't know there's so many i i love being out west i like i love elk hunting 
Um, you know, it's beautiful. I mean, they obviously they live in beautiful places. Everybody knows that, but I like being, or I like the environment as much as the subject, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot, I mean, there's a ton of guys and girls out there that shoot, say, whitetails, um, con, you know, a lot and, uh, or, or gear people hunting in the timber with their, you know, shooting duck gear, waterfowl gear. I like the environment though, to be as, as important as the, the, the subject sometimes. So I like being out West because it's just bigger, be more beautiful, but, you know, bigger vistas longer, um, or the mountains and the longer views. And I don't know, but I did have a, a fishing trip that I really liked two years ago. I think I, sh- I went to the Bahamas and we did bone fish in Bimini. And, uh, that was a pretty incredible, um, trip there. But I mean, I'm so many offshore. I love offshore fishing. I love, um, uh, uh, just being out in the timber at honey break. I mean, I don't think I can pick one. Who blew your, who blew the shot that you wanted the most and then didn't get it. <laughs> Let's I, tell I us somebody. Um, are you thinking of one in particular? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't me, no. <laughs> Did I have one? Did I, I mean, usually it's, it's probably a dog or something. The dogs. Yeah, some, or the animals. Some dogs that love the camera. And then you get some with their sixth sense that wouldn't look at a lens if their life depended on it. No, you're right. No, and yeah, I'll tell you one thing. I've had, including my, well, one of my dogs anyway, but a friend's bird dog. Um, she would, if I brought my camera out, she would run, you know? <laughs> and, and And we figured it out, though. There's a little, um, especially my older, I think it's my older can and can't bodies. They, the, the automatic focus beep, the real high pitched, tiny little beep. You can barely oh, hear. Yeah. That's what we're out. We think. Yeah. Because you could put the camera in the bag and, 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 and she couldn't see it, but then press the trigger and she would freak out. Wow. So it's a real, I mean, it's like a dog whistle kind of thing, I guess, but. Anyway, um, no, I don't think, I mean, dogs make, make my best shots, I think, because that's, that's what I like probably shooting the most in general are, are um, dogs and dogs then people. Water. Oh my gosh, I love dogs. Right. Dogs are than people. I mean, dogs in tall grass and anywhere, but, but if you had to attribute some lost shots, it might be because of them too, because, you know, as we know, upland dogs don't sit still. They, um, uh, uh there's a photographer that works with me. It's a great photographer, Michael Schellenbach. He he said he was going to make a, a coffee table book full of um, out-of-focus grass or something because that's what he does so much up upland and like SRS kind of shot or shooting. Yeah. stuff. And they're running the whole time and it's just twigs and grass and occasional, you know, dog tail or a piece of a dog or whatever. So, but... Um, well, I they- get it because... Upland, I love hunting pheasants and they're always mm-hmm. in the swampy cattails and you, you lose your dog, right? Yeah. Because you can't yeah. you can't see them in there. And so you can hear them, you know where they are, but it doesn't make for good photography. No, but the pheasant, pheasant coming up, do you with those yeah, long catch, tails, but you catch the pheasant and it makes yeah, just uh incredible imagery. I've gotten a few. 
I'm missing it. Yeah. Talking about these shots, like that's what you work so hard for on our side of the thing, you know, when just because you get the job done on the hunt doesn't mean that you get the story. Right. Right. Well, you know, I, I shoot a, um, I shoot a lot. So we, I just keep, keep that lens going there, keep switching angles and keep, you know, just fire and fire and firing. Cause like I said, most of the stuff I do, I wouldn't say most, but a big chunk of it is live hunts. Cause we're trying to combine the time in the field with actual hunting, it, you know, instead of going out and taking two or three days, just doing a photo shoot, which we do. Um, but it's, it's a little more economical and makes a little more uh, sense if you can to get either product or people or, or, or um, dogs or whatever in a live hunting situation. You know, I think it also is more, it's more handy. What's yeah, that? Oh, yeah. You can't replace that energy. No, you can't. And yeah, that's, it's, it's real, right. And actors and let's call it, they're just guides or, or hunters that are acting uh, just doesn't work as nearly as well. So, so well, I mean, I have a zillion pictures in the uplands and then the ones that I go back to the most are, are say, man, I wish I had more documentation of this hunt was my original snow goose hunt with Chad when uh -huh. he's, I mean, he even wasn't there. He sent me with Axel on my second day. And I was like, man, like I remember how I felt. So every time I see those pictures, I know like the inspiration and it's like an awakening, right? When you get to try something new that you fall in love with and then it was my favorite thing, of course, getting around the dog over and over and over. And um, I would give anything to have more photos of that trip. One photo, of course, brings back all the memories of, man, that would have been a good shot. Or, man, you know, I would have put this one on the wall. Um, yeah. Yeah. So for people that don't have this, that don't get these documentations, like, I couldn't go back to that. You know, before right. it was like, we got to be present and people didn't even know where their phones were. You know, like that was us. I'm not taking my phone and losing it in the fields of South Dakota or whatever. It stays in the truck, you know? Yeah, I've always <laughs> heard, you know, early on, I did the same thing. Even even when I started taking it less seriously and started actually working for outdoor companies, I I didn't shoot like I shoot now. If I see a good frame up, so if I see something going on and and the light's great and all that. I'll just burn that lens or burn that SD card fast as I can, just fill it up. Because mm -hmm. I'll, and you know, it's work on the back end because you got to go back through several thousand frames a day and, and, and store all that and carry it around and all that stuff, which I was doing all morning. I'm clearing off a, uh, a space on a, on a raid drive just so I can put the last photo shoot I did Friday on it. I got nowhere else to put it. So it's, you know, space is an issue, but. Yeah, you don't want to admit if you think, well, a couple of things. One is if you see some, if you know it's a great situation. So Drew Keith sends a dog out of the blind and lights great. And it's a big Drake canvas back. And you know, it's just going to be an opportunity for the, a really nice shot to the air. Um, yeah, get in position and just shoot it, shoot it, shoot it, shoot it. And then, but, um, but also, you know, try different, I tried like different angles and, uh, and, um, you know, overhead, one of my favorite shots ever 
um, I just, the dog was swimming by me and I had a wide angle lens on, it was deep water retreat. And I'm standing there and I shot the dog coming. And then as it went by, the way it was holding the stuck, um, I just held the camera straight over his head and shot oh, straight yeah. down. And um, it was kind of a unique shot. I had never seen it and just tried it, but it came out so beautiful because of the way the duck was in his mouth, the weight coming off the dog. And it was, and I actually won um, that one first place in the Ducks Unlimited's magazine's retriever category. They have a photo contest every year. Oh, yes. So, I know. I keep sending these emails to Tom. I'm like, I'll never like have a photo, but um, trying to get him to put stuff in there. They that's a fine thing to follow because of all the cool shots that you may miss. They may not get posted on social media or something, but yeah, you want to miss hunting season. Follow that photo. Yeah. And I think that I think, you you know, there's so many, I mean, there's different categories and then they have, you know, multiple places within the categories. Um, and, uh, but I think you can maybe even see them online now. I'm not sure. I've I've participated in a couple contests and, and, um, uh, once I was a judge and, um, um, the for a photo contest and i got to see a lot of photos <laughs> but it, it's so funny how many people i i actually knew i'm like oh that's from i could tell from the shot i'm like you know oh, that's so-and-so or that's you know Tess rousey or whatever just people that i knew it from the industry um because and, everybody uh, does has their unique style i think so yeah a lot of them do i can tell probably 15, 20 photographers, if I see a shot of theirs, I know it's theirs before I see the name. How do you develop that signature? I don't know. I think it's kind of inherent within, you know, people's, just the way people look at things. And and a lot of it's editing too, editing style. You know, I I know uh, some people like it dark and gritty and some people a little more airy and everybody, you know, this this ter- person shoots always at the sun and, you know, f- solar flares on everything. I don't know, but uh, appreciate them all. That's for sure. Well, for families that have like their annual hunt and all this stuff, I I do hope that they're encouraged to find somebody to travel with them for a day just to get professional documentation because there is, there's just nothing like having it. Yeah, that big hunt or that big fishing trip, whatever. Um, but also, I would say, you know, you know, this my cell phone. I have a, a I don't even know, it's eleven, I guess, iPhone. Mm-hmm. Um, you can burn that thing up too, and and do pretty well. I mean, you get some really cool stuff. I think the main thing is just just shooting, you know. And and I feel there's a lot of times I feel a little pressure, especially on a real hunt, to get, get a few shots and get out of the way kind of deal. But I think just take a breath, stop for a minute and look at everything, reposition someone so that the light's not shining. You know, they have the shadow from their bill on their cap. Just, you can't even see who they are. Take a minute, one extra minute and set it up and then get the couple shots that way. And I think you'll, you know, it'll pay off. And the candid shots too, that, you know, mm-hmm. people take pictures when they're on their trip, but somebody's got to always be taking the picture or it's got to be staged like that, you know? And so 
I just value all these, um, especially the ones of Hallie Joe. Like I didn't have that with JC because when she was this age, she was showing horses and we all, there's always photographers there at those horse shows. So we were able to get that, but having them at hunt camp with Hallie Joe as a little kid and all the friends and just candid moments that were like, and we were having such a good time and we didn't even know the camera was there. You know, yeah. it, it is um, going to be a really good memory book for her. Yeah. Having a dedicated uh, photo person in, with you is different because you're going to well, get it's stuff. Like, that's why people hire wedding photographers, right? Be like, yeah. Just to catch the moment. Well, we think that our hunting trips are just as important, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> and there's a lot of these hunting photographers that get stuck doing weddings in the off season. Yeah. Um, yeah. I work with one in Georgia and that's what he was talking about. We just did something a couple of weeks ago and he was like, well, it's wedding season and I'm ready for dove season. And we, that's what we were shooting for. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so ready to be out here too. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that I had had the opportunity to have a wedding season. And when I, you know, I do, um, if I'm not here working in my office, I'm, I'm trying to, um, you know, there's, it goes from now that we have, I've been shooting at Prairie Wildlife in Mississippi. So that goes up to the till end of March. Well, it's turkey season now. And then yeah. as soon as turkey season's over, we're fishing off the coast of Virginia Beach or, you know, in the Outer Banks or whatever, or in the yeah. Chesapeake as we're doing right now. And then, you know, before you know it, it's going to be, a, you know, a couple dove hunts, a couple alligator hunts. And um, so wedding season might be October. <laughs> Since I don't, <laughs> I, don't, I don't do bow hunting uh, necessarily. I've done a few bow hunts, you know, as a photographer. Um, and I've been hunting when I was younger as, as a hunter, but um, it's just not, it's it's tough to be a photographer and be with in, in a bow hunting situation because I don't want to mess it up. Well, for I don't want to be the problem at, and have an animal get spooked because you know rifles a little different and and all, but yeah, it's just too close. Well, yeah, while you you have the camera with you, do you miss hunting yourself? You're yeah, always I mean, working. Yes. I'm, I don't hunt very much. I'll, I'll hunt a couple days a year duck hunting and uh, like my brother might come visit me and I'll go hunt with him. But uh, yeah, you're going to, I'm afraid I'm going to miss something if I have it, a gun. So um, <laughs> yeah, but I do miss, I mean, I, I eat venison. Uh, it's all, that's all we eat. No, I mean, as me far too. as ground. And, yeah. yeah. So um, so I do like to, you know, get a couple deer a year which I do, I pretty much get, you know, a couple does a year or something, but, um, yeah, I, I, I miss it sometimes, but I'm more excited about the camera to be honest about getting a cool shot. I would like to get a bull elk one day or a cow elk, either one, but maybe one day. Are you playing the tag game to get there? Or are you just wishing? No, I'm, I'm kind of wishing I have a friend in Colorado, Mike Miller. And, um, you know, I think I could I get a landowner tag. Yeah. Yeah. So 
and he's offered a couple of years. I'm just not quite ready yet. His boys keep drawing tags and I keep going out there and photographing those guys. Uh, as a matter of fact, last year, they both drew, both of his sons drew tags in the same uh, unit. So we went out there and, and, um, and just had a ball, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still waiting. I'll be all right. That's, but I'd rather, I'd rather that's get foreign a to us in the South where we live, that kind of hunting, the yeah. terrain, like everything about yeah. it. Oh, it's, it's amazing. And I, and I discovered something last year. I, uh, the little brook trout and during elk season, we, we, it was kind of hot and we had some time in the middle of the day and nothing was moving around. So we went fishing and, uh, you know, the stream is as big as a sidewalk, maybe. And, uh, it was gin clear. I had some underwater gear with me and, and we just filmed and photographed these little brook trout. And I'm, I'm going to make time for that this year. That's awesome. If you've never You're photographing done or fishing, what's that? Photographing or fishing? Uh, both. I mean, I, you know, I will take more underwater gear next time so I can just really explore that. But, uh, I mean, cast and blast. I mean, just being able to hunt in the morning, go fishing in, in those special little places, you know, like those little creeks and the mountains and then go hunting again in the afternoon. It's kind of ideal. And photographing the whole thing. You're, so. you're at, like talking about a dream life. So there's going to yeah. be people listening to this, like, how in the world do I get this schedule? <laughs> uh, well, you, you kind of, I don't know, you kind of have to push for it. I mean, you got to um, just beg, borrow and steal just to get opportunities like that. Just tell people you what you want to do. I mean, that's how I started doing photography outdoors is I wanted to do it. And, you know, sometimes you have to put in a lot of volunteer hours and kind of you know, do things for free or just, uh, you know, help people out in other ways. And then they'll let you, you know, start, you know, doing or shooting stuff on their land or, or going with them and all that. But um, it's, it's kind of an evolution, but I think you got to want it and got to just go after it and ask everyone. Yeah. Um, Cause we talked about this and there are a lot of kids that are starting out in the industry now with a camera, but. Oh Yeah. I remember this. There's, a, there's such a learning curve in it to get to the level of where you've gotten. And um, sometimes there's the expectation that once you can take a good picture, then, or you have taken a good picture, then you've already arrived. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, um, I think there's a, a little bit of, you know, when the first question comes out of a, a new photographer or even a young photographer, uh, the first question is, how much am I getting paid? Yes. And it's <laughs> not cool. It's like, I don't, we'll talk about that. Let's talk about the job first and let's look at all your stuff and, and, um, and, you know, kind of go from there. I, I'm not trying to be cool or I just, when I started, I, I wanted to do it so bad that I just wanted a portfolio and the only way I was going to get that wasn't to be getting paid to do it. It was to volunteering basically to go, Hey, can I photograph your duck hunt or can I, and, um, go, you know, deer hunt with you guys and I'll sit in camp. And if you get a deer, we'll take some pictures. And, um, you know, things have changed a little bit, I guess. And I didn't have a whole lot into it monetarily either. Like some of these kids do. I mean, it's like, man, you just, you know, pretty, Pretty new guy and he's got thirty thousand dollars worth of gear on him. I mean, 
I guess I'd want to get paid too. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's, you know, if you, if you don't have the reputation to back it up, it is a, it's a massive investment. And for the videos and things that, that um, are getting priced out now, it's like, how can companies afford marketing unless they hire a full-time person on staff? Right. Right. Yeah. That's a, it's kind of a, a little bit of a, a I literally priced a two minute video and yeah. it was like six grand. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't think that, that I can justify that for the return when, you know, like, but it is time. And it's a, it's all a kind of a factor of time and, and um, experience level and, and, you know, uh, more experienced folks can do it quicker. Right. I mean, they, they can, I can edit faster. Um, you know, if someone wants 45 edits from a day of shooting, I, you know, I, it doesn't take me quite as long as it used to, but, but I will say this, when I did start out, you know, I had to, um, I shot for, I mean, hospitals and I shot surgeries and oh, I live in a, at the beach. So we're a lot of hospitality. I shot hotels and restaurants and uh, yeah, I shot for Dollar Tree. <laughs> for like two oh, I do remember you telling me this. Yeah, yeah. Um, really cool stuff and then really mundane stuff. But it's how I bought all my gear and got, you know, paid for a few trips here and there and and um was all on that. Because I already, you know, had my full-time job, but I wanted to do more and more photography. So I just took, you know, cheat anything almost. As long yeah, as but it- just think about how working for Dollar General taught you so much about merchandising and now. Honey Break has one of the prettiest pro shops of any lives I've been to. Yeah, we're getting ready. Talked about this morning, getting ready to go. Once they get all the product in, we're shooting it, I think, in August. So, but yeah, to be able to studio light stuff, I had to learn that. And and I learned it building a studio in my garage and paying for lighting and um and shooting toothpaste tubes. And, you know, silverware, whatever. I mean, anything. Yeah. yeah, why not? And and um, so yeah, I love studio work now. I still do. I shot a a gentleman the other day, um, John Sawyer. He's a decoy carver in Virginia Beach. I shot him in his his decoy shop, and uh, um, it was you know it's all lighting and and of course John's a character, so he he provided the the talent. But uh, <laughs> him and his dog Gunner, um, but um, yeah, it was it was. If anyone's uh, never tried it, you know, shooting with lighting is is pretty pretty cool. I also recommend shooting with lighting in the field, even during the daytime. You know, I hear, I hear that from people all the time. It's like if you're on a boat and it's sunny and, and someone catches a tarpon and you really want that shot and you want to get light up under their hat and, and the mm-hmm. shadows are everywhere, blast them with some lighting. When you see the covers of all these fishing magazines, they're well lit. That's for sure. With the reflector? A reflector or a strobe or anything. Just put light on them, you know? And uh, one, of, one of my first um, guys that I ever worked with in Georgia years ago, he would always tell me, okay, I can give you a deal, but you bring you bring me some light and help. And it was always, I just needed somebody to hold his reflector. 
Oh, that was the lighting help. Was it reflective? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They sell, they sell. I'm like, oh my God, what friend am I going to, you know, rope into this job all day long? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's nice to have a human. It's also nice to have a roll of gaffing tape and, and a little mechanical reflector holder too, if you're by yourself. <laughs> Yeah, or it's a bush or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> but um, any any way you can do it, man. It's like there's no set way to do any of this stuff. I don't think. So you're you just said that your dream hunt for yourself is an elk hunt, which is totally like out of the realm of what you shoot on the normal basis. But what would be your dream work job? Dream work job, like for a. A gig, like yeah, probably. I'd like to maybe do a story on on um, like a hunting fishing trip in Alaska, maybe or Canada. Yeah. Um, have you have you gone up there and done ducks in Canada? Have never you shot been ducks north, in Canada? Never been north of Montana. Oh, yeah. Me neither. I haven't, but it's on the schedule this year, so I'm pretty excited. Wow. All right, I'm ready. Just. Let me oh, that would be October. That would be, yeah. you, know, oh, wow. you don't have to do Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that probably just, I'm not a big, I mean, I'd like to go to Africa, I guess. I, I think it'd be fun. It's really cool to shoot. Okay. Um, 2024. I have, okay. This is so cool. You, you know, SCI, the organization SCI. I, do. I talk yep. about them all the time. Well, um, one of the outfitters that he's also been on the podcast at reached out to me and he was like, would you host a ladies hunt here? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I'm like you, there's all these places right here that I want to go that I could have my own dog. Why do I want to leave? But after podcasting with him and then I hung out at his booth for a while, this SCI convention in Nashville and met so many cool ladies. I'm like, okay, let's look at this. And then I kind of got into the world book um, record that they keep. So he talks me into it. He's like, okay, I've put this whole schedule together. Three trips. You should be able to take your entire world book um, category so that I would have it for South Africa. So one trip hunting 10 days, um straight i mean and it is a lot of driving so i mean we're used to that here so i'm like it's no big deal to get to mix upland and waterfowl there oh my gosh i'm like that will be incredible because you don't just go to one lodge and say okay well i'm just gonna duck hunt you know for how many ever days right here no it is like chasing them so with the whole list of species i am pretty pumped about that one yeah, you'll have stuff that you would can't hunt here, right? So oh, absolutely. Yeah, a whole list of it. Yeah. And I've um, learned them. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't committed to learning all those species yet, but it comes with a whole learning curve. It's like you get to start all over. It's become extremely exciting. Yeah, so you get to put together a, an optics partner, a rifle partner, a shotgun partner, a boot partner, a gear partner. And uh, the waterfall is so new there. Like they're kind of trailblazing something that really for here, like it's so traditional, though, especially in the waterfowl world. I feel like it's even more so than the upland, except for in the grouse woods. It's pretty nostalgic there, but 
there's so much tradition and history and people value historic things, you know, whether it's calls or somebody's gun. I think it was like Ramsey Russell was using like a side by side in the in a blind or something. And I mean, all of his imagery is so good too. And I'm thinking that could have been his great grandpa's, you know, I mean, who knows with him or whatever. So um, I just, I'm like, it's time that we start that. Like uh, I've got these two girls and we've got to create some history for us. I'd be, I'd be curious. I watched a cook uh, hunt, or was a cooking show on the plane a couple weeks back. And uh, this guy, he's in Italy. And he's outside of um, Venice, Italy. And he went, duck hunting's big there, right? And he mm-hmm. went hunting to get his own duck so they could cook them or whatever. And as I'm sitting there, these guys are on the bank. And behind them, in the decoys, there's several mallards swimming around, but they're not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute. It's totally, like, legal there. Like they, you can tie them, you tie a string on their leg and put a weight on them and they just swim around in decoys. Live decoy. Live decoys. Yeah. If they can't bait, but they can use live decoys. <laughs> it's so, so funny. I was just like, but it, you know, I thought the cameraman caught something he wasn't supposed to. Uh, and then I Googled it and it was like, yeah, it's totally legal. Oh my gosh. Like that would be an experience within in. itself. I could never put- do it. <laughs> They put like yeah. a slip, not like we would be training dogs yeah. with pigeons or something, it, you know? Exactly. Yeah. They call it a, um, a hobble when you oh, train a hobble. Yeah. You train a pigeon with a hobble. Yeah. Um, they were hobbled. All right. But after being spoiled, you know, my adult later adult life about going to a place like honey break all the time and just having all these beautiful wild birds coming in and, you know, 30 pintails at a time and, you know, 50 teal and, and all the stuff. It's like, I could never shoot over a hobbled bird, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Even, even with a camera. So that would be like, it would just be funky, but. Hey. Well, there's culture here, you know, I mean, it, yeah. to them, it's normal. They probably just, think we're crazy by using plastic <laughs> or your whatever, you know. Well, they, I also think, you know, they, they, they use wild ducks as a market, uh, you know, item too. Yeah. They sell them at restaurants. So we don't do that. Mm-mm. Yeah. So. That is interesting. That was funny for sure. So, so that's not your ideal trip to go to Italy with the wild decoys. I think another trip that I forgot about, I'd love to do would be to go to uh, New Zealand and, and hunt there, mm-hmm. uh, you know, photograph stag, but tar is, fascinates me. The, the, the goat, I guess, or um, yeah, I guess they're goats, mountain goats, um, tar, chamois and stag would be cool. And it's such, such a unique looking place. I just don't want to spend that much time on an airplane. That's just way too long. I just flew back three weeks ago from Germany and it was 10 hours and it was just like, man, I think that's my limit. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'd have to sleep half of it. I mean, I've, I've been to Europe yeah, and I did sleep half of it. that. That's my ticket. And how Robbie with blood origins is on a plane all over the world all the time. Like every, every time I pull up his Instagram, it's like once a month, he's in South Africa. I'm like, how do you do this? over and over and over and we me and taterbug we're in reno now 
Yeah. On our way out here, we ran into Robbie in Dallas <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I'm here for eight hours. I got delayed. And I'm like, what? You do get used to traveling. I mean, I get used to traveling. I've traveled, you know, in the United States and um, my schedule's, you know, usually pretty busy. Um, the, uh, um, I think you get, you get kind of used to jumping on planes and being in hotels and rental cars and stuff, but just being in a seat that long is, yeah, it's tough. And if you don't sleep, if you don't have Ambien or something like that, I mean, I don't know what you do. I guess take some sleeping pills and go out, but, um, I guess it's good editing time. Yeah. Yeah. I watch, you know, watching movies. The, um, I mean, I'd like to surf in Hawaii too, but, I'm like, I don't want to fly that much. I think that'd be a cool. I didn't want to go to Hawaii either until I thought that I was going to have to go on a family trip. So I told my mom, I was like, I'll go. But the only way that I'm going is if I get to hunt the, um, they have green pheasants there. Oh, wow. Yeah. I don't remember which island it was on, but. Is that like a Chinese bird? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Mm-hmm. But um, they were incredible. And so well, they have I turkeys like and goats. Museums. I'm sorry. They have, what? they have turkeys and goats. I think they have yeah. um, Caleb Copeland just shot um his his wife. They live right there where I where I live. So I've known them for, for forever. Um but he videoed his wife shooting, I think it was her first turkey in Hawaii. I was like, yeah. how cool is that? Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I think as far as upland goes, uh, I don't know about you, but I like photographing one of my favorites. Now it comes back to me. It was with Tess Rousey. She's a wonderful photographer, lives in Nebraska. And, um, and we went wild pheasant hunting up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, these birds are wild. Like you get out of the truck and if you shut the door too hard, they would fly up 200 yards away and take off and you wouldn't see yep. them again. Um, but it was, it was pretty amazing. That was awesome. And we got a few birds and they had great dogs. And, um, I was doing a little thing for Nissan trucks. Um, so, um, yeah, that was, that was wonderful. The weather was great. And, uh, you know, we got a little, little bit of snow, but not too much. And, um, pheasant hunting, it, it is at the top. I just, I just love it. Yeah. But it's brutal. Yeah. Long days, hard terrain. But, and those birds are smart. Yeah. 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 You get a lot of boot time for sure. Have you, um, so another one I did kind of, but we were deer hunting, but we kind of found some dudes in a field in South Dakota with wild birds. And, you know, they were hunting in this kind of a, a res reservation type area. And um, I just asked them, Hey, can I, photograph your dogs. I saw their dogs running around out there and they had a couple birds and we did some kind of, you know, set up retrieves and, and then we got a real retrieve. And, um, I don't know. I think, uh, I've never shot a wild pheasant with a gun and that would be another one. Oh my gosh. Well, we just have to make that happen. Well, I was with Tyler Jordan on the, on the milk river doing a deer with him. And I sat on this bluff and uh, he'll laugh at this, but I sat on this bluff and watched those guys bow hunt for, I don't know, six days or something like, you know, and I'm watching out this 
famous place on the Milk River. And every morning, you know, I go up on the bluff and they go down on the river bottom and hunt. And every morning, all these giant roosters would come out and stretch and, you know, kind of wake up in, in front of me. And I had the spotting scope on them. And I'm just going, man, well, I was going to, the plan was if he didn't get the deer with the bow, just one particular buck, then go back for gun season. And, and it, that's what happened. We didn't get the deer. So he said, well, it'll be pheasant season. Then make sure you get your small game license. Cause you're going to get your wild pheasant. And yeah. that was like two weeks between when we went home to when we we're going back. Well, I got, I got COVID that was COVID year, first year. And oh, I, no. I couldn't fly. And, uh, they killed, they killed the deer the first morning. Um, and then they went pheasant hunting and they shot a bunch of birds and they're giant, you know, giant pheasants. Oh, just beautiful. And it's so much yeah. fun. Like there's nothing like a bird getting up and cackling and yeah. In the snow, once yes. again, fresh snow on the ground, they're all, you know, kind of covied up each other and all. oh man, Running yeah, that was, that's, the regret. that's the regret I was thinking of. COVID killed it. <laughs> it ruined my shot. And they, they got that deer the first morning and guy works with me. Andrew went up there in my place and shot at beautiful imagery. And I was just like, man, that, that was probably the biggest regret I've had in, in the outdoor photograph, outdoor photography world. So are you just doing photography only or do you do videos too? Uh, I've been shooting more video, but I, I shoot raw and, and let somebody take it. Right. They can yep. edit it. So I just get you know like a drone shot or, or just shoot some maybe short form video for social. Um, I'm sure that you'll be with, um, with us at Prairie Wildlife this year. I I love that place. You mentioned it earlier and what a gem they have there. Alexis Green has fought. She's shot for me this past season. Yeah. She's great. She is like, what, 24, 25 years old? Uh, and I'm not going to say, but she's a little bit older than that, I think. Is she? Yeah. Yeah. She looks like she's 22, but she's probably 28, I guess. Well, she's oh my gosh. Good. I'm like, and she has no idea how good she is and yeah. how much fun she is. And and all the photographers that I've worked with, I'm like, Alexis, you have such a gift because you make this seem so easy. Mm-hmm. She has fun with it. Sure. Yeah. I, think, I think you have to have fun doing it. You know, you got to, I don't know if it's, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of photography jobs <clears throat> like weddings where it's, it's just torture. <laughs> no, well, You're just scared <laughs> if you don't get everybody's what, what they have preconceived in their mind. Yeah. And people are not going to be happy with your work, no matter how hard you work. Right. 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 Well, I'm, I'm in the, the, I'm with the folks that we're talking about because I really enjoyed doing it. You know, I mean, the guys at Honey Break, the guys, the clients and the partners that we work with and Prairie Wildlife, um, they, you know, they're all, it takes a team on a lot of these shots too. And these shoots anyway, it's not just you and a hunter and a dog or something like that. It's, it's usually uh, a team effort, but they all, so far everybody makes it fun and if you're not having fun why bother oh i'm with you on that that is my number one motto i I told my kids i said i don't care if it's clean and toilet day we're gonna have a good time doing it you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah whistle while you work yeah (laughs) 
Yeah. Well, there's a lot of hard things that you, <clears throat> that come with living on the road like we do, you know, and if we, if we were to uh, let our attitude get the best of us, sometimes it would absolutely ruin the entire trip. So yeah. you just have to find the silver lining and the joy in it all. Yeah. Because if not, it's going to show up on camera. <laughs> it, it will. It might look like determination, but you know, there might just be, you missed your layover. So are you, yeah. Um, so you're mad at airlines or something, but now you, I don't know. I mean, there's a bunch of jobs you could do. You could do, I could do that didn't involve, um, the hard part, I guess, being out in the cold and walking, like you said, and traveling and, and all that. But, um, the payoff is so good. It is. Yeah. I'll tell you my worst. And I think I'm still scarred from this, but Randy Lack, it, I just had so much um, respect for him. There was no way I was quitting. But I think it was maybe the second season that I filmed with Gundog TV, which is not even on air anymore. They, the guy, the same guys are doing a different show now. But they had me in Kansas, and here I was with, um, I just had a dog box at that time. So luckily I wasn't pulling a trailer too. But the Georgia girl gets stuck in Kansas with the blizzard, you know, the side winds, the the snow, just sheets of it. Like you can't see. And then all of a sudden there's three sheet, there are three inches of ice on the road. I'm like, where I come from, like you don't leave your house for a month if this were to happen, right? <laughs> And I'm expect to go walk through the field and then we're filming this whole thing. I mean, snow's like up to your waist and you're in CRP and you, like, it was so hard. Like there was nothing enjoyable about that process in the moment, but the reward from it uh-huh. in the end, and then seeing what the camera guys, um, how they told the story of what happened was yeah. like, oh my gosh. I would not want to have to repeat it because it was so hard. And I was like, one more pass, like kidding. Like, I don't even think the dogs want to go. Yeah. Right. Those little cockers, they couldn't <laughs> wait to run through all those tunnels in the snow yeah. chasing those pheasants. But this girl was, I, that was probably the biggest time that I had to dig really deep. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. Like when it happens and then you get to see it, you're like, okay, I'm really, really proud of myself that I stuck it out. Yeah. I mean, you just described like a dream photo hunt for me, you know, so uh, <laughs> I like weather, you know, fog, rain, I, I, as long as you use it to your advantage. I just, I like that because um, once again, it's, it's different, you know, it's like anybody can shoot a, a beautiful sunny day in the prairie and busting up quails or pheasants or whatever. And mm-hmm those beauty shots, but I like, I like stuff that's a little more unique. And, and, um, so you described, we had an icy day and honey break one time. I mean, not many icy days in six or seven years, but we had one where it was just frozen solid. The all of in the Louisiana. Yeah. In Louisiana, the whole place. Well, it concentrated the ducks, you know, vast majority of these ducks were in one spot and we weren't hunting them, but we went out in a ranger and tried to get photos of them. And it's a, you know, you could walk on pintails and, and, and mallard heads, you know, the, it just was a carpet and they kept, I guess their bodies kept the, you know, that whole kind of thought out. But anyway, um, I have to, I have to dig through some of those images again and see if I can get some more out of it. 
because it's incredible. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's made for Well, you. we don't have cool stories like that. We've got like when this when this podcast comes out, I'll yeah. fill my stories with pictures and video from that hunt that you think would be so magical because yeah. We're like pulling trucks out of the ditch, you know, just trying to get back and forth. And these people out there, they think this is just normal. Oh, yeah. yeah like, just get another truck and move to the next field. And I'm like, oh, my God, I thought we were going home. So they, they weren't scrambling to the store and buying up all the milk and bread. They were just. Uh -uh. It was like, oh, yeah. my gosh, this is going to be awesome. I literally just got one of the guys to start driving. I said, I don't want this stress. I just want to worry about walking these fields and keeping my dog in check, you know? But once again, <laughs> you had the, the video guys with you and they turned it into a gem probably. I mean, oh know. my God. Yeah. I'm going to have to find that episode and rewatch it. Yeah. Send me something on that. I want to see that. If you got okay. a link. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. I can get a link for that. That would be awesome. It was yeah. years ago. And I'm not really, I mean, on the road, you know what it's like when you're watching your route, you're watching the weather. It's like, okay, if I leave now and I speed this much, then I bet I can stay in front of the storm. <laughs> and, you know, just rolling the dice all the time with that kind of stuff. Like there's stories and more probably just as equally as many stories in the truck as there are in the field. Yeah. Yeah. One of the, one of the things I've been trying to document a little bit and, and you know, I don't publish a whole lot of it yet, but maybe sometime in a collection, but it's, it's those road stories, 7-Eleven, you know, the snacks, all that Casey's, stuff. Casey's, come on, not 7-Eleven. All these burn hunters out there, they know where it's at. It's at Casey's. At Casey's. And then what's Casey's the one, the, <laughs> what's the one in Bur the big truck stop? We don't have them in Virginia yet. I think we're getting one. Oh, um, Bucky's. Bucky's. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you load up on, I'm a snack guy. So especially when I'm cold, I eat a lot of sugar and stuff. So it's like, uh, I've known for gummy bears and, and gummy bears are like one of my things and, um, Nutri yeah, Nutrilla or whatever. Nutella. Yeah. Nutella, with the little cracker yeah, sticks. You know, whatever. <laughs> and, but, um, it's all those stories about being on the road and, 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 you know, I think, um, Michael Waddell did it well when he started uh, road trips. Yeah. And it was so interesting because it wasn't just your regular hunting show. It was like, wow, they're really having fun, you know, in between oh, yeah. their, their, you know, going in towns and stores and they're, uh, you know, hanging out in camp and doing a lot more um, than the formula of, you know, here we are at so-and-so's farm and, the deer are going to be down there in that corner and the field and climb up there and you shoot them and show them off. And that's it. I mean, and he I'm, doesn't have I'm, like, cause he's further South than me. Yeah. So he doesn't, you know, the deer hunt country, which if you go up North, that was my favorite thing about the grouse woods was once you spent your whole day fighting twigs in the, in your face and hoping that you see the bird that you just heard fly, you know, you got all those stories you pull into the local bar on the way back to the house and it, the whole parking lot is full of hunting trucks and there's dogs all in the parking lot. And there's all these strangers in there that can't wait to meet new people and hear about if they got into birds and all this stuff. And it's just the coolest culture. Yeah. Yeah. I've been, but, uh, but we don't get to tell like just meeting strangers. 
I, I up in Minnesota, Southeast Minnesota, uh, for a little article for outdoor life on opening day of deer season there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I flew up there and got rental car, I got my cameras and stuff. And I was just driving around and, and I ended up at the, the bar, there was a bar there. It said, welcome hunters, a big old sign from one of the beer companies. And then, but it had the check station there. So oh, had, how you know, cool is that? Yeah. So they had scales and they had some, uh, some folks there, you know, recording info and all that stuff. And I just hung out there for hours. A, the deer were giants compared to the yeah. deer up to Southeast Minnesota. Um, big giant, I mean, great bodies and, and big rack deer and, but um, B was just all the guys gathering around and talking. Mm-hmm. To, you know, a truck would come in with two two deer in the back, and a, you know, the ten guys would jump on it and we start telling stories. And then while they're weighing them and checking their teeth and all that stuff, and it was a great time. I uh, I remember, I one of the shots they published from that was uh, I was like a Saturn, the little car. Yeah. And and it there was just one deer leg sticking out of the back. I guess it didn't fit quite. And they had bungee cord the lid <laughs> and it was right in front of the bar that said, welcome hunters. And I just kind of framed it up where you could see the deer leg and the sat, you know, it was just in a, they take it seriously up there. They that, do. Uh, and it is so <laughs> special. Uh, the deer hunt season in Wisconsin is really short. It was like a week long or something. And, and I'm not oh, a deer hunter. On the, right on the river with uh, lacrosse over there. Well, the, um, the guys that I bird hunted with up there, they all took that one week off. And it was like you talk about, like all the bars are throwing events, some kind of special night every single night for all the hunters that are there. It's like, it's almost like New Year's Eve for the rest of the world, but it was hunting week. And I've never seen anything like it. I'm like, I thought all the rednecks were in Georgia where I live, but this is so cool. And I just, it was like a step back in time or something, you know, to where all the stories that my grandparents would tell us about hunting camp back then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like the, the decor looks like Smokey and the bandit and everybody's living it up and everybody's in camo from not the new cool stuff, you know, like whatever they've been wearing for 20 years. It, it's just nostalgic. I, I would say as a storyteller, it's the place to be. A lot of woodland army camo. Yeah. 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 So the, the one question I have for you, the grouse thing, I'd, I'd love to shoot grouse hunting. I'm just yeah. afraid that I'm not going to get a grouse on camera because they're it's so thick. I guess you just got to get lucky. Oh on my them. gosh. And you, that's another October trip for you because that's probably the prettiest changing of leaves I've ever seen yeah. in my life. And I would always try to capture it for my mom. And it never, it never was the same on camera as it was in real life for me. And, um, you get those, the dirt roads, everybody's riding the dirt roads and the leaves are so bright and the dogs are happy and the weather's crisp. And I mean, it is, it's just about the only thing for fall. It it trumps SEC football. You know, yeah. like that's what everybody gets so geeked out about down yeah. where we live. But um, there's nothing like it up there. Well, I, again, I absolutely love it. You have to go once. Once again, I think the landscape is as important as what's going on sometimes in the landscape. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I remember this this painter. I've got this book of old um, 
it was like the outdoor life book club when I was young. And it was just this book of art and it was, you know, hunting art really. But this painter, um, he would, so you'd have a, say your frame was 10 inches wide. The deer in the frame would be a half inch tall. Everything else was landscape. And all of his paintings looked like that. And it was mesmerizing, I think. And I think that's why I like shooting like that. You know, kid. Grouse was something that you have to experience, especially when the, when the leaves are in color. Yeah. And the challenge is making them look like they did with your eyeball, which is tough. Yeah. Yeah. Now you can still see a bird. Um, I don't know if you're going to get it on the, on the rise, but you'll get hopefully a retrieve. Yeah. And retrieve, I think just ha- having a, a, a grouse laid out or a woodcock, know. like, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. As, as hard as you work, it's like, um, this is what the guys told me for every grouse that you get. It's like dropping an eight point buck. Right. And so I only got my limit once. But it was the coolest thing because it happened so fast. Right. I w- it happened in like 20 minutes. Like how? And with my side by side, like was one of those things where I'm like, this may never happen again. And you don't even care if you get your limit. As long as you get one, it is a win. Right. Or if you just see one, because you'll hear them. They sound like helicopters taking off, you know, and it's just like. There's no way to get on it and focus on your shot or whatever. I mean, it is literally, I heard it here, bang. Right. Yeah. Which so is with the camera would be just crazy. Like the camera does the same thing. You know, I'll snap shoot. I, I just had a shot published in shooting sportsmen a couple months ago. And it was a quail in the foreground and the hunters in the background. The quail came right at me. I think I shot that from the hip. I don't even think I had <laughs> I really don't. I mean, you know, I set the camera up to capture, you know, uh, moving objects, if you will. Um, but, you know, if there's background noise, then it becomes an issue. But anyway, it's just sometimes it is luck. But you can't you can't get lucky if you're not out there doing it. So, oh, my gosh. Yeah. And the thing about the grouse woods is. You got to watch closing your doors, just like in the pheasant field. Oh, yeah. And yeah. when you're walking down the road to like typically like if you walk down the road to walk back to your truck through the woods you never know when you're going to jump something just on the road so it's right. like the, it is just this heightened sense of awareness 24 7 like there's no off time unless you're sitting in the truck it's like cool it's so cool <laughs> yeah, yeah. A, and i've been told between me and you, we should have some grouse. Um, who was it that was telling me that they were seeing some in the woods close to home? I didn't believe them. Maybe but up in, uh, like in the mountains of Virginia? Not even that far, you know. Mountains of Georgia? I live in the, in the northeast, Georgia, yeah. where um, the Appalachian Trail starts. So yep. we got Tennessee, North Carolina, Georgia all come together right there. And... There's some people that say they're there. Now, I've seen them bear hunting in West Virginia. Those birds just walk down the side of the road like nobody yeah. here gives a flying flip about us. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm switching my gun. Like, this, 
this is so insane that these parts are just walking around. Yeah. yeah. It's like seeing, uh, I, I went to, um, what's that place in North Carolina with the big mansion? Um, Biltmore? Yeah, Biltmore. On the grounds of the Biltmore, they had Overland Expo. And I went there to, to photograph this Nissan stuff. And, and uh, there are turkeys, just wild turkeys, just walking around on the road. And and I remember this one, like, it was a hen. And she had an eight-inch beard. I mean, it's crazy. Like it's, And it was two of them. Both of them had beards. But one of them was real long. And they're just walking down the road. And I, yeah, I mean, 20 feet from you. I'm like, well, I guess if you don't hunt them. They, <laughs> right. they used to, they're probably not allowed down in West Virginia. That's probably what it is. I have so no idea. Place, so that's the place you go to photograph them. Because that way you can get close to them. If you want yeah. grouse pictures, like if, for example. Go um, to the fair woods for grouse. I yeah. was like, I mean, if those, I really should think about that. If those seasons don't overlap, I don't know how that works in West Virginia, but that's where I need to be grouse hunting. But there's just nothing like the North Woods. Yeah. You just need to experience yeah. the North Woods as, as a storyteller. It it comes with its own, I don't know, culture and everything. Yeah. It's really it's on luck too. I mean, it's it's unique for sure. The these stories that we're talking about right now is why I don't ever want to leave the country. Why would we like we have the coolest stuff going on in America? You just got to get in the truck. Yeah, or get on the plane. No, you know me, I'm not going without my dog. <laughs> and you're not flying your dog either. No way. I couldn't do that either. When you fly, though, you miss all those Casey stops. Yeah, yeah. And when you get there, everything's closed. And you, uh, but I don't have a choice. I don't, most of the places I go, I'm not driving 12 hours, 24 hours. I mean, here to Honey Break is, I think I did it, it was 20. Yeah, I mean, you really have proven you you kept your family at home. You didn't uproot anybody or anything like that. Like, you've made it work, and that is so hard. Yeah, and I will say this. I don't, I never had kids, so uh, it's a little easier not having kids, you know. I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'd be doing this if I had kids. Well, I don't think I can let me stop. Try to be in that boat. Then everything's times three. (laughs) Well, and then, but then you have your kids to kind of work with you in your job, right? I mean, you Mm. can get a lot out of that. And I think, you know, I've got 18 or so, I can't remember, 18 nieces and nephews um, between me and Chrissy's uh, nieces and nephews. And and I've used, well, most of them as models sometimes. You know, spy kids, they would just be sick of me. <laughs> and, you know, again today, again, I want to go to the beach. I don't want to, you know, model for you and some dumb thing. But uh, yeah, so um, that's. So what do you tell all these young kids getting started? Because it, it's easy to to assume that the fun that you choose to make it right comes uh-huh. easy. So what is the inspiration that you give them to keep going? Because it's actually extremely hard. Just the lifestyle of it in general, shooting all day, staying up all night, hitting deadlines. Editing all night. I think, I I just think if, 
once again, if if you really don't enjoy doing it, if you're just doing it to go hunting, um, I don't know if it's you know you got to want to make it a business if you want to if if you want to work in the industry. That's what we're talking about. So if you want to be a, a photographer, and I won't say. I would recommend that you be a photographer and then when you can be an outdoor photographer, but, you know, shoot other stuff. I mean, and, and, and try to keep it a year round job. And when you're, when there's no hunting season going on, shoot something else and, and, um, and broaden your horizon a little bit on, as far as your work goes. Um, that'd probably be it. And, and if, you know, if you enjoy that, um, go for it. If you just want to shoot your friends and just shoot during duck season or whatever, I mean, I think that's great. You're just going to have to figure out another way of doing stuff to, you got to pay for your existence. So you got to figure out another way to do that. But, um, you know, I certainly like other kinds of work too. And there, and there's not, um, like just because you choose to do this doesn't mean that you have to be the entrepreneur as well. I mean, there's the TV shows, um, those are actual companies. And a lot of times, like you really don't have time to do much outside of life with honey break. And so teaming up with a lodge or teaming up with a show or, you know, getting your resume out there and stuff like there's so much more opportunity too. And that's a great place to find mentorship. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, I've worked with a lot of um, like intern types over the years. Yeah. You know, I was an intern when I started as a designer and, and, but, uh, you know, if you're willing to put in the time, there's someone's going to help you. I think so. Unless you're just a jerk. (laughs) (laughs) Leave your ego at the door. Yeah, no, no. I think if, yeah. And well, there's some truth to that. I mean, people all, they want to work with folks who are talented, but they also want to work with folks that they want to spend time with in this business. Cause you're going to be, shacked up in a lodge somewhere, maybe sharing a little house in town or, you know, spending time in the airport or driving in a truck. And you've, you've got to kind of like being with the people a little bit, you know, yeah. I think that's pretty important, especially these video guys that are hunting There's a lot of grunt work too. <laughs> video guys hunt with folks do all, a lot of the grunt work and, and they're, they got to want it even worse than I think I did because they're, they're <laughs> You're sitting in a tree, maybe in a, a set, you know, with, with a deer hunter or or just trudging around in the snow, like you said, behind somebody that's having fun shooting pheasants. And it's like, yep. yeah, you got to kind of want it because you're going to go back. And, lay out blonde with, you know, 70 mile an hour wind, just hoping something flies oh. in. Yeah, up in the sea duck hunting up in Chesapeake Bay. Oh, that's rough. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I've done that too. That's what I was telling you. Like, even for me, I was so green as a hunter and especially as how the industry worked when I had that blizzard hunt that you don't really know the price that people are paying to create all the cool stuff that we go to the trade shows to see. Right. And all of our conventions and everything is like, Oh my God, that's so cool. I want to do that one day. And then you get in the middle of it and you realize the price that people are paying to get to be cool. And it's like, some people just aren't cut out for it to get that shot or to have that story or. I really think that you're at hundred percent, right? I think you, you, the romantic side of it is what you see the finished product. But when you're, when you get on the ground 
and it's cold and you're out there and you're like, all right, I've got to work the next four days. Um, and I'm going to be tired and hungry and cold and everything. And it's, yeah, it's going to, uh, when, and when you start to edit, maybe after the four days is over and then you start to edit, that's when it's fun again. You know, you're like, Oh, wow. Yeah. Look how cool this shot was. Look at that. Look at this. And, um, but when I've, I still have trips where I get there and I'm like, all right, we've set all this up and talking months about it, pre-planning it. We've got all the people in place, the, the, the dogs, the gear, whatever. And then you're like, Oh, now I got it. Now I've got it. The work comes. You know, <laughs> you it. just pre-gamed you, and you put in more than um, a full-time job when all those hours and you hadn't even got started. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's now I'm bringing back memories. I got to go to South Dakota here in about nine days. And I'm just thinking that's going to be so much fun, but it's going to be so much work too. I'm actually going to the motorcycle. Addiction, I think what here. we have, like that's just all there is to it. My grandmother yeah. is 85 now and SCI did a deer hunt for her when she was 83. She wanted to shoot oh, one sweet. more deer at 83. Really? Yeah. And so we, um, we just had one of our SCI Georgia chapter friends of mine. She came along and did photos of that hunt, but granny will come to my house almost every day and walk the farm. She's still super active. She just lives a couple miles down the road. And she asked me last week, she was like, you think you're ever going to retire from this? I'm like, well, right now I'm definitely not old enough to retire. (laughs) And I haven't been doing it long enough either. And I said, absolutely not. I was like, at 83 years old, you're still sitting in a deer stand. Taterbug's going to be driving my tail around. And I hope at all these shows that there's all these younger women wanting to come and hear my story and let my experiences help give them like creative ideas and motivation and all the things that you've done for me. Like I, I want that too. And she was oh. like, yeah, I guess I haven't quit either. And it was just, no, like- she hasn't, I was going to say, she hasn't really retired though. I mean, and by the way, <laughs> if she says, how about one more again, then make sure to let me know. Cause that'd be a fun hunt to photograph. She wants a Turkey. Oh, that'd be even better. Probably be might be easier too. Yeah. Okay. I'll let you know. I'll keep you posted on that. Um, because I'm sure we could get her on some birds. Like that probably would not be really hard to get Granny Jolly on a turkey. Yeah, I know some folks. We could make that happen. Okay. Well, we'll see how she how she does next spring because she'll be 86. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully she's fine. And um, and I think that would be something we could get we could get some people rallied behind that. You know. Well, even if she got there and she didn't want to pull a trigger or feel confident because she was so ticked off. I mean, she's got this Marlin 3030 that my, my grandpa got her when she was 18. So it's mine now. I've never deer hunted with it or anything, but I just take so much pride in it. I did side it in for her. And um, it was when you couldn't get bullets. I'm like, Granny, we've got one box. Like, this <laughs> is all we have. And... She says, well, it's been 25 years since I pulled a trigger. So we set her up with a target. Once I got it sighted in, like once we, like I sighted in pre-hunt and then we got there, she shot. So she had the confidence to go straight to the blind that, you know, that afternoon. Yeah. Important. She was so mad that that deer didn't just drop there. I said, it only went 20 yards. 
worked. Like it practically did, you know, and it was just so funny to hear her tell her stories and laugh and stuff. I'll send you some of those pictures because it's just joyous to see her enjoy the outdoors so much. And, and I have my grandpa's hunting jacket that's all faded out. And she just went to Walmart and got one of those cheap vests to throw on like over your gear, you know, illegal. Yeah. She took it apart and sewed it on the jacket. And so oh. that's what she hunted in. It's just, it was really cool. And yeah, that's great. so to take her turkey hunt, she may just want to sit there in a blonde, but I know, I know if she's willing, if she's able, she's willing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah keep me on the list on that one. I, um, I, I like father, son, father, daughter, m- mother, daughter, family tradition. I really like putting that on camera. Yeah, it's so special. Yeah. No, it's, well, it's, I look forward to hearing about your season. We might have to catch back up middle of season and see what kind of stories you've got going on down there at Honey Break. It's I'd, always I'd a to. great time there. I know that, yeah. Yeah. that your the, pictures just tell half of it. Yeah, not even close. I mean, there's so many cool personalities down there. I've got, you know, world-class dogs. and Obviously, we got birds and and uh, all the facilities and, you know, to get in camp and see people at year after year that come back. Um, yeah, there's a reason they come back. It's because it's where they're, you know, where they want to be. And, and uh, anyway, I look forward to it every year. I can't, I really can't wait to get down there. When teal season starts, the first time I went to Honeybrook was teal season. And I was just a contractor with another company, clothing company. But it's so hot and so different. And, you know, there's, um animals that you don't see in the winter time and and <laughs> it's, it's so fun and then you know of course down there usually you're teal hunting you're done by eight o'clock in the morning so then then you can go take a nap and have do something else and um fishing or alligator hunting or hogs or whatever yeah um, so yeah it's great i'm looking forward to that so hopefully i'll see you down there i love to come back and not, drew's expanding all of his shooting facilities Yep. building a police course and all that. And they have a phenomenal sporting clay course. So I definitely could get lost down there. Yeah. I was working on that stuff yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. I shot a bunch of imagery there. So yeah, let me know. And, um, and uh, send me those pictures too, that we talked about um, uh, and the video link. Okay. I want to see that snow one. That'd be cool. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. I'll end up and and I'll post all the stuff on my stories too when when our episode comes out just to relive all these memories because you got to keep those those stories alive like it just makes hunting so much sweeter it makes season and all of your friends and I just I can't wait there's a lot well, of people need, I haven't seen in a long time picture, if you need any pictures from me about anything that I talked about be I'd be happy to share them with you okay. Sounds I good. I, you, yeah, I I'll definitely show you. If you do that or not, but I'm I talked about a few shots that that are really kind of special to me, and and um, you know, sir, I mean, you can find them on my Instagram page or wherever. But um, yeah, if it, if it helps you out, it'd be great. All right, well, Buzz, thank you so much for coming on and sharing about your career and inspiring all these new guys that are getting started because their job is so important documenting these these hunts and working for these companies and keeping this industry alive is something that we all take very seriously so it's all fun and games but at the end of the day we take a lot of pride in it 
Yeah, thank you so much. Papa gave daddy and daddy gave to me.